Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. You are listening to Progressive Parenting Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, we've been uh, taking a, a short hiatus uh, <clears throat> over the last couple of weeks, and uh, we definitely were celebrating like mad um, our 10-year anniversary. Uh, 10 years is a really long time, y'all, and I just wanted to say uh, how uh, proud I am that um, we've been able to, to pull this off. Uh, it's, a, it's kind of a big deal. It's kind of sort of a huge deal uh, to be on the air for uh, a decade now. We started out on the AM and uh, moved our way over to FM. We were on Pacific Radio for a while, so that was four and a half years on AM and then FM. And then we moved our way up uh, to um, the Internet, which is where we're at now. And uh, we are just uh, delighted to have been around for 10 years. It's just um, it's awesome. We're just really super happy and uh, I'm just really excited to have uh, some amazing women on the program today to talk about one of my favorite topics, which is infant sleep. Now, um, as most of you know, I served on the board of directors of Attachment Parenting International for six years, so this is a big deal to me. Now, if this is your first time listening, I'd like to welcome you. I want you to know that progressive parenting gets that you are not alone. We want you to know that. We know that being a parent is the hardest job you'll ever have. And if you don't know who I am, my name is Gina Kirby. I'm your humble host. I am not a parenting expert, but as a doula, childbirth educator, Lilla Tree League International Breastfeeding Peer Counselor, and concerned parent of four children, I understand the difficulties involved with being a parent. So every week I invite doctors, nurses, family workers, authors, and experts from different fields to answer your parenting questions. Now, because this is a progressive talk show, we will broach topics and air opinions that you as a parent might not otherwise hear about the mainstream media. The mission of progressive parenting is to inform, not preach, to share, not advise, and to connect, not alienate. Progressive parenting is a listener-funded program. If you enjoy the information we bring you, please consider donating. You can send PayPal donations to paypal.me forward slash radio donation. Progressive Parenting Radio has been on the air for 10 years, but it's because of people like you. So let's just get to the show already and see if my guest is there. Hi, Gina Kirby, you're live on the air. Hi, Gina. Hello. Hi, who's this? <laughs> Hi, there's a whole bunch of us here ready to talk oh, okay. for you. Great, fantastic. Yeah. I wasn't sure if we, uh, the, the number came up kind of funny, so I wasn't sure who was going to be calling in this morning. Um, it's a really funny number. I have to show it to you later. Uh, so um, <laughs> if you would give me a big as this is radio, uh, we, we can't see your faces. Uh, just inter- introduce yourselves one at a time. I was going to go ahead and do that, but I told you, Natasha, I was having a technical difficulty on my end, so I'm just excited that we're even live on the air right now. <laughs> so we're just going to wing it. So at the time, introduce yourself, and then we're, we're going to get started talking on this really important topic. All right. Brandy, do you want to kick it off? Sure. Uh, so I'm Brandy Hadfield, and I'm the president of Attachment Parenting Canada, owner and founder of Dream With Me, and I work with Babe Mia as their resident sleep expert. And we're we really happy to have you, Brandy. 
Well, Thank she's amazing. We're, we're so happy to have her, <laughs> her with us, too. Um, so I'm Bianca Sprague. I'm the CEO of Babel Mia, and Natasha and I are the co-founders. And we offer support and education to women who are interested in becoming doulas and those birth workers. We support them with their business and, and they, you know, expanding their practice into things like sleep, which we're going to talk about today. And I'm Natasha. I'm the other co-owner of Babel Mia. And um, like Brandy was saying, we're just so thrilled to be on this show with you today. And uh, we brought Brandy on uh, quite a few years ago because our clients um, were coming to us with sleep issues and we had no place to send them, no place that was doing, um, you know, educating around normal sleep. So we brought Brandy on all that time ago so that we, we could give our clients a place to go when they didn't, they didn't really think that sleep training was the right thing for them. Right, and I'm I'm so excited to have you all on. Uh, and Brandy, I'm sorry I couldn't have given you um, a better introduction here. Like I said, the technical difficulty side was awful. But I'm so <laughs> excited to have you on. Um, first of all, as Natasha knows, I am um, probably America's biggest fan of Canada. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. And I've been the board of directors of Attachment Parenting International for six years, so it's a huge deal to me. Um, uh, other people who feel as strongly as I do about attachment parenting. So it's kind of a big deal for me to have you on the program today. Oh, well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. You have a T-shirt with a Canadian flag coming your way, Gina. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. <laughs> so let's get started to talk about this because um, I think when s- certain folks hear the phrase sleep training, uh, they kind of cringe and get like a little freaked out. So uh, let's talk about what it is that, that you are wanting to share and how it's different from sleep training per se. Sure. Um, so the very first thing, we think it's important to educate parents prenatally wherever possible, wherever we can reach them, so that they have the realistic expectations before baby is born, because I think that, well, we think that that's where a lot of the issues are, is that we're culturally, um, you know, culturally it's ingrained in us here to blame our babies when we're having a hard time adjusting to parenthood. And really, most of the time, what they're doing is totally healthy and optimal. And if parents knew that, then that could help reduce a lot of the stress and anxiety that comes along sometimes with um, new parenthood. So that's the first thing. And then if we haven't been able to reach the clients prenatally, then that's still where we start is with the educational component because sometimes that's enough, often that's enough, and they can just breathe a huge sigh of relief and say, wow, okay, there's nothing wrong. I haven't done anything wrong. My baby isn't innately difficult. Um, I haven't screwed them up. I've just been doing what felt natural, and that's not just okay, that's awesome. Um, And if not, if there's still some uh, struggles and issues, Um, Every family is different and and unique, and that relationship and dyad between uh, the primary caregiver and baby is going to be unique. We can dig and figure out what the issue is behind the issue, what's really going on, um, and then help them figure out, based on the tools that they have, how they can meet their baby's needs and their needs, and it doesn't have to be one or the other. Right. So talking about like what's normal, I think is huge. That's such a big thing for parents to, um, and, you know, we don't learn about that stuff um, in our, typically, I know that's what you guys are sharing, thank God. Um, but typically when, <laughs> we'll just give an example, 13 years ago, no one told me that it's normal for babies to awake during the night and that it's 
good for them. Like <laughs> it's part of their survival. So before we get into that, I want to let everyone know if you have questions, you're listening from home and uh, something pops up in your head and you want to share maybe a story or you have a question for our guests, uh, for, for Brandy or Natasha or, um, oh, 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 I'm sorry. I thought I saw a yeah, phone okay. number pop up on the screen. Uh, um, anyways, our number to call in is 347-850-1642. That number again is 347-850-1642. If you have a question or you want to make a comment, please press 1, and it will let me know that you have something to say. All right, so sorry about that. Yeah, getting back to that, what's, can you guys share what, what's normal about sleep? Infant sleep. Well, um, babies have different sleep personalities so it's going to look different from home to home Um, but it's totally normal and to be expected for babies even toddlers to wake up multiple times in the night and if parents could know that you know not to I think the books will say a lot of books will say okay you can expect your baby to start sleeping longer stretches at four months and then so they're holding on to four months and then Mm -hmm. They're waking up even more, and then they're banging their head on the, against the wall, wondering what what happened, what's wrong. Um, but there's always going to be different reasons for waking, and that's where we, as parents, practice the art of flexibility and realizing that the baby or the toddler or the child, the human that came joined the family, isn't just going to fit in to the structure that we have. That we are all reborn as a family, and we have to figure out. a a rhythm that works for everybody and respects everybody's nighttime needs. Just the same as if you were caring for someone who was elderly, um, you know, we would expect that those needs are going to be around the clock and figure out a way to meet those needs. Um, I know, sorry. It's okay. Uh, You you said it's normal for babies to wake up a number of times during the night. Uh, Can you tell our listeners why are they waking up? Sure. They're waking up because they're hungry. They're waking up because they're lonely. They're waking up because they can't really adjust, maybe, and they're uncomfortable. Maybe they're too hot, too cold. <laughs> um, if if you could imagine yourself in a position of complete vulnerability um, where you couldn't do anything for yourself, you weren't able to get out of bed and get yourself a drink in the middle of the night, you weren't able to um, move your pajamas or adjust your blanket, um, and you were lonely and scared, uh, those are, if we can imagine and kind of see through the eyes of a baby, then it, it kind of makes it a little bit, make more sense that they're humans, they're vulnerable humans, and so they really rely on us to meet all of their, all of their needs for comfort and for nutrition. Right, like they're super helpless. They don't get to, um, they're not like, let's say, a brand new foal that's born. Like moments after they're born, they can get up and run and take care of themselves. And here we have these little tiny helpless babies. And I, um, I don't think that that's kind of really uh, knocked into us enough. So you guys, just so you know what I'm doing, I'm Facebooking live while I'm talking to you. <laughs> so we can let people know that we're doing the program right now. And so um, I want to let everyone know that they can call in. The phone number to call into the radio program is uh, 347-850-1642. I wish I had thought this through. I don't have any makeup on and I look really tired. But <laughs> you guys, if you're uh, watching live right now, uh, we are live on the radio. I'm talking to the wonderful women at Bebomia, and we are talking about what's normal about infant sleep. And um, please call in. I know you have questions. We have lots and lots of mamas that are watching or who follow me on Facebook, so please uh, call into the show, 347-850-1642, or ask me questions here. 
All right. Bye, guys. Okay. So uh, babies are helpless. We've established that. Yeah. Um, let's talk about um, what, why when, when people come to you, let me ask you this. When, when parents come to you and they, they look like I do right now on my Facebook Live and they're tired, um, maybe they didn't get a lot of sleep, <laughs> what, um, do they, are they a little discouraged when you talk to them about what's normal about babies? Um, not usually. I find the general consensus, not every single, but most of the time, and that's why we're so passionate and excited, is that most of the time parents are really relieved and they feel empowered and they actually have more energy um, to meet the needs knowing that what's happening is not just normal but optimal. Um, that that perspective shift is magical. <laughs> um, Sometimes there's discouragement, and we can totally work with that as well. And um, we, we I was just going to say, it's just what they're hearing from their friends and what they're reading in the books. You know, it, it's not syncing up for them um, with what's happening in reality to their life, and they feel like maybe they've done something wrong by um, nursing to sleep or whatever it is, whatever they've they've worked out that works for their family. And so their friends and family who are saying, like, that baby needs to be more independent. They're not they're, going to be able to fall asleep ever on yeah. their own and all this stuff that we say to these moms. Yeah, they're <laughs> feeling like they've messed up already. Now they've got a four-month-old and they've already messed it up. Um, so then when they talk to Brandy or any one of our sleep educators, they can say, oh, I'm actually, what I'm doing is right or, well, right for me. And, um, and beneficial and, for mental and health. And beneficial. So, like, one of the other reasons that, babies wake through the night is a safety issue, which is why the new recommendations have changed. Um, right, Brandy? Right, with the AAP now recommending that um, babies room share uh, with their parents for one year and beyond, at, at absolute minimum six months, but they're really recommending for one year. Um, and all the leading, you know, at in Toronto here, the Hospital for Sick Children has an infant mental health program that they put out, which just trying to get the information out there that we need to be responsive and respect the cues of the baby and that um, leaving them alone is just not recommended. It, it Maybe anecdotally years ago, that's what most people did, but now as technology improves and as we have more information, we can make more, more educated decisions around this. That's huge that the AAP came out and did that. Um, I think a lot of people... Um, freak out when they hear the term co-sleeping. Um, there's a difference. Can you talk about that, Brandy, the difference between co-sleeping and bed sharing? Because essentially yeah. what, what, they're, what they're recommending right now is co-sleeping. I mean, well, I'll let you say the meaning. <laughs> sure. So the, the recommendation, it hasn't changed um, for the six months, but they've just extended it um, to the year and beyond um, that, uh, the baby should be within arm's reach of their primary caregiver. And ideally that, um, you know, for the most optimal health and safety is a breastfeeding mother, um, that they're within arm's reach on a separate sleep surface. And that's what co-sleeping is. It's sleeping close um, so that the baby can be tended to easily. Some people, oh, and then bed sharing would be actually sharing um, the bed of the parent. And our beds in Western society typically are not designed for the safety of a baby. They're not um, designed in that way. So they're high, elevated. We have big fluffy pillows and duvets, and that's hazardous for a fragile baby. Um, 
the AAP is saying that if you think that you might fall asleep breastfeeding, that they would rather you bring baby to your bed than um, fall asleep potentially on a couch or a rocking chair because that is incredibly dangerous. You can imagine if you fell asleep with a baby in your lap on a chair, what would happen? Um, yeah. We want to take recommendation even further and say to set up a safe place that it's not bringing the baby into the big elevated bed, that you're setting up a safe place mattress on the floor where you can breastfeed um, and if you fall asleep it won't be you won't be um, at rest there's no pillows and big blankets and um, five feet off the ground five feet but you know what I'm saying (laughs) (laughs) well I mean it's less five feet off the ground for a baby if it's high off the ground that's a big drop Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So setting setting your even if your plans are to um, have the baby in a separate sleep surface, if you're going to nurse side lying on your bed, make sure that that environment is set up optimally for for bed sharing in case you do fall asleep um, is part of the new recommendation. And they're saying when you wake up, if you are bed sharing, that when you wake up, that you return the baby to their co-sleeping area. Yeah, that's that's a huge thing. Um, I don't think it's made it. And okay, here at least here in America, I'm not positive about Canada as much as I love you guys. Um, in in the United States, we hear lots and lots of stories of um, uh, babies dying, uh, co-sleeping, and that's air quotes around that, with their parents. Mm. What we don't hear is that. Um, and there was a tragic story where I lived in Austin not too long ago, a couple of years ago. I think it was like maybe. Five, four or five years ago now, um, this poor dad was incredibly exhausted. Um, baby started crying, so he picked up the baby, was afraid to take the baby to bed with him, and got the baby to sleep on his lap and woke up. And sadly, uh, baby had, had died you know, because he was on a recliner. And uh, anyways, it's tragic and horrific. But the family came out and said, uh, you know, we are going to live the rest of our lives making sure that nobody ever uh, falls sleeps with their baby is what they said. Uh, and there was no mm-hmm. delineation between the fact that the baby, we have an exhausted parent sleeping on a chair with a baby is not the same thing as sleeping in a bed with your child. And if you're that, if you're incredibly exhausted, you know, you can have, like you said, a safe sleeping place aside outside of the bed, but that never gets right. talked about. Right. Yeah. It's almost like keeping it, as oh, I'm sorry. Say who you are before you talk, so our listeners know who's talking. Just say who. Oh, it's Brandy. It's almost like keeping it as simple as possible um, seems maybe safer, but it's withholding a lot of important information, and we want to give as much information as possible so that parents can make informed decisions. Yeah, that's that's so perfect. Um, you mentioned um, Brandy. I think you did uh, mention nursing to sleep. Um, can can we talk about that for a minute? Because we're told, or I know a lot of my clients have been told this, or a lot of the people who used to come into my, my maternity store would tell me that the pediatrician told them, you know, it's a really bad habit to get your baby to sleep at the breast. Can we talk about <laughs> falling nursing to sleep? Sure. Um, in our opinion, <laughs> uh, there's nothing more natural um, than nursing a baby to sleep. I mean, like mother nature makes no mistakes, right? If you look at the research behind breastfeeding and um, that, you know, there's tryptophan in breast milk and that peaks late in the day. So that's 
you know, a recipe for sleep for a baby. Um, there's the oxytocin that the that the mother um, benefits from, so she can be more relaxed. So it's like a natural relaxant um, for for the breastfeeding mother, um, and it's really enjoyable for a lot of mothers. And it's a shame if they're being told that they should stop doing something that they not only enjoy but is beneficial for the baby. And you know, we always hear the expression my baby's using me as a pacifier <laughs> um, because they're right. cluster feeding. That's all for good reason. If the baby's cluster feeding, um, they may have been exposed to, uh, you know, some virus and they're communicating to, to the mother's breast that virus so that her breast milk can actually change and give the baby the antibodies that he or she needs to fight that illness. That's magical. And unfortunately, some, you know, a lot of us just don't know that. And if we knew, um, then we might be more ha- happily able to um, nurse our babies to sleep, knowing that all of this amazing stuff is going on. They're getting stem cells, we now know, in breast milk. Wow. Wait, let's talk about that in one second. I have somebody on hold. I want to make sure um, <laughs> I get to them. They've been on hold for a while. Hi, caller. You're live on the air. Did you have a comment or a question? Hello. <laughs> I'm gonna take that as a new, but I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave you on mute, caller. And if you change your mind, you let me know. Okay. Well, a lot of people will will listen in, and it comes up as a call, but they're not calling; they're just listening. And then if I ask them hello or say hello, they get really shy. Okay. Stem <laughs> <laughs> uh, cells in my breast milk. Say what now? You want to talk to me some more about that for our listeners? <laughs> um. I'm- I don't really know what else to say about that. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it, well, um, I mean, that's a huge thing. I well, think people think that breast milk is just milk. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I have a funny story. When my firstborn yeah. was an infant and had a stomach virus, and I brought him into the hospital because I was really worried of how, he was, um, how sick he was, and the emergency room doctor told me to stop breastfeeding him for the week, and he was like five months old. And I said, really? You know, what if, what if he's upset? You know, he's like, give him Pedialyte or Popsicles, but don't breastfeed him. No what? dairy at all. <laughs> no dairy? No dairy. Uh. <laughs> so it's it's a shame <laughs> that, you know, we trust our, our physicians. And, and luckily, my instincts and Mama Bear <laughs> was loud and, not loud and large enough to um, do some homework and... <laughs> not follow that advice because we know it would have ended up with mastitis. Baby wouldn't have had the optimal nutrition, sucking on popsicles while he's sick instead of having um, breast milk. <laughs> yeah, well, and so, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, people think that breast milk is just food and that it's just milk and don't understand that it's actually, like, alive. That if you could put, um, if you have a Petri dish full of um, bacteria and you put breast milk on it and you look under a microscope you can see the breast milk eating away at bacteria it's like a medicine that we're making it's not just Mm -hmm. like milk it's not like the processed milk that shows up on your door either it's a completely different thing and I don't know that parents are really getting the full story when it comes to that or they're being told because in the U.S. we don't have the same laws uh, that other countries do um, that allow for the formula companies to say make claims that say that formula is just the same as breast milk when there's no way in the world that it could be. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's Bianca here. We have the same thing in Canada. It's an ongoing issue, and it's unfortunate when we when we look at it in the sleep context because, um, like Brandy was sharing, it it is such a for those women who are choosing to breastfeed, um, that experience of you know them becoming drowsy and their baby becoming drowsy, and and then you know culturally and and our doctors and our friends and media is saying like don't spoil your baby by having that experience where you're both naturally, you know, slipping into this sleep state while breastfeeding. Um, so it's, it's like breaking this pattern. And, you know, obviously if the mom is then putting a, a wake baby down because she's not doing this parenting to sleep, um, we're running into those ongoing issues. It's kind of a cascade effect because somewhere in there we're telling her it's bad that she's, you know, if she's choosing to breastfeed, that breastfeeding to sleep is going to wreck your baby. And, but that's like a that's a, a myth that that is really ingrained in in our culture here. Oh, and totally. I, I really love the work that you're doing because the the only way to to stop that is to start educating the public. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Natasha here. I just wanted to say that's exactly what our goal is and our mission with with doing these programs is to get this word out there. Like we it's very important to Bianca and I who who run Babomia that our our clients and everyone we work with are able to make an informed choice. But if the only information out there is that you need to put your baby to sleep drowsy but awake and you need to sleep train at 4 months, then they're not able to make an informed decision. So our goal is to make sure that this information is out there too so people can say, okay, well, I've looked at all the options and this is what I've chosen. Um, Where that's not an option right now because people are just, they're not getting all the information and it's it's kind of sad. As well, there's kind of this this belief that like, um, well, it's either sleep train or, you know, somebody, something has to give. Um, is either sleep train or I'm going to be sick as a parent. And um, we, you know, there are many consultants who will go into a home and spend time with a family um, teaching them how to sleep train, but there isn't that we know of very many people out there um, who will go into the home and, and chat with the family and help them customize a plan that allows them to meet their baby's needs and their needs and um, just give them that individual attention. So um, while there's a lot of resources and amazing books out there, we want to take it one step further. And, you know, because now we have these new recommendations and parents are like, okay, great, but how do I do that? <laughs> um, how do I, right. I room shift for a year? Mm-hmm. Well, no, I mean, the individual attention is so big. It's such a big deal. Um, oh, and before I, I get into that, uh, I wanted to remind everybody that they can call in if they'd like. Uh, everyone's so shy today. The number is 347-850-1642. That number, again, is 347-850-1642. Uh, and if you've called and you're on hold and for some reason it's not working, hang up and call me right back and I will answer. Um, so I wanted to tell you, before I get into individual attention, I was uh, messaged by someone who has actually taken your program and is about to graduate, um, your oh, sleep educator certification. Yeah, um, she is actually uh, my BFF, uh, and her name is oh. Leslie Everett. <laughs> we talk every night before I go to bed. I talked to Leslie, and she's like, did you know? And I was like, how did you never tell me this? Like, she didn't know until I posted that I was doing a show with you guys. <laughs> oh, oh, like, how did you never tell me about this? 
This is Natasha here. I just want to say um, how much we love Leslie and love having her in the program. She is so eloquent and like mm. eloquent with her words and the way and she elegant. writes. And <laughs> elegant and eloquent. The way she yes. writes and the the words she uses and how and she care. talks about this and the care she puts into things. Mm -hmm. She she's unbelievable. Um, I just wanted right? to say that. Anyway, but that's magic. Yeah, that's I can't just, even imagine being the lucky parents that have her come and work with me on like sleep. That's so crazy. Mm -hmm. I know it's amazing, and if if anybody on the call doesn't know about this program, um, Brandy and I, um, and Bianca, years and years ago, like I was saying at the beginning of the program, is that we knew that there was this gap of information for our clients who were having sleep struggles, and we decided to create this program. We we called it um, Dream On, the art of the art and science of infant sleep, and it was a prenatal program where we taught parents how to to deal with the unexpected when their baby's born and what's normal for sleep and all the biology and the science and, and parenting to sleep and all those um, tools in their toolkit. Mm -hmm. And we did all of that so that we could re-educate people that are out there learning all this stuff that may or may not work for them and their family. Um, so years later, we loved doing it so much. Brandy was always booked all the time to be, <laughs> she, was, she had waiting lists down the road. And um, so we decided that we wanted to make sure that this, spread more so we opened up the sleep educator certification which is what Leslie took um, so that she can then go on and teach the dream on and do private consultations and so this information is naturally going to spread through this um, program which is I mean all we've ever wanted really is that this information gets out there so we're, we're just thrilled and, and absolutely thrilled that, that <clears throat> Leslie trusts and, and loved the program because we loved her. I had no idea. I'm really like shocked. And she messaged me and she's like, oh, I love those ladies. And she just had nothing but nice things to say about you guys. And it just, I was really, really excited after having <laughs> on the program because I respect her so much. I mean, for people who don't know she is, who she is, Lizzie Everest is um, from, I'm sorry, developed mother with uh, doula trainings in Canada. She's located in Montreal and she travels the uh, United States and Canada training doulas and she's amazing at what she does and uh, in fact you guys were saying how elegant and eloquent she is I agree 100% and that's why I'm touring with her next year and we're doing all of these little mini birth conferences and she's one of my I think she's doing 75% of the the conferences with me next year so I'm so excited uh, anyways that's getting off the uh, conversation uh, individual attention I love that you guys are doing that for parents and I love that you talked about choice because I don't want people listening to think that um, neither myself or, or that you um, are wanting parents to do a certain thing a certain way. Uh, I think the whole mm -hmm. idea is just like saying, hey, here are all of your options, because I don't think parents are getting all of their options, letting them know what's normal, what's, what, um, what's evidence-based, and then allowing, you know, not allowing, but watching them or, you know, holding space for them as they make the choices that are right for that particular family. It's not about like shoving idealism or ideas down their throat. It's about sharing uh, what's available so that they can make the choices that are right for their family. Am I off? No. No, um, it's Bianca here. And that's so true. And one of the things um, that we, you know, we've acknowledged that it's, there's nothing prescriptive about our sleep plans. It was actually, we just did the interviews with the, our graduates, and a lot of them are saying, like, can you guys give us scenarios? Like, if a parent says this, what do we do? 
And we're like, we're so resistant to that because you have to look at each family. Like what is their family dynamic? How many parents are there? You know, what is their socioeconomic status? Who's, who's back to work? Like what What are their their beliefs? What are their goals? What, how do they eat? Like, what are their values? mm Mm-hmm. Like, we can't go in and say, like, well, now we're sleep educators and this is all you have to do and then everything's going to be fixed. Like, it's a very interactive and, as I say, there's not a one-size-fits-all plan for this, which is um, something totally different than any of the other sleep options out there because the other ones are very prescriptive and formulaic. And we, we teach our educators how to ask and what kinds of questions to ask to get the answers from the parents because it's so much more not only is it more empowering if I can come up if somebody can coach me and help me come up with some ideas that came from my brain I'm much more likely to follow through on those and feel excited about them because it was my idea if somebody hands me a recipe to follow um, then there's a lot of room for me to um, find problems with that or this won't work because XYZ um, so we want our educators to work with those families to help them come up with a really well-rounded plan that that comes from their heart and soul not someone just telling them what to do <laughs> right exactly and that that is so beautiful and um, I love that you said that nothing is prescriptive that's huge to me and that um, because if it was then I'm sorry, but in my mind, y'all would just be another group that's trying to make money off of parents. And I don't see that. I see what you guys are doing as like healing. And, um, and that's, I think why I think Leslie was drawn to what you're doing. And I love that you brought up socioeconomic status. I would like to talk about that for one second here. Um, Brandy, I was, um, when I had my first daughter, I was living in Carmel, California and I I was doing really well, making great money. I was the first woman hired at this resort, um, if it says anything about the resort, and um, <laughs> as, as a waitress in this resort. And I was making really great money. And then, oh, my gosh, after all of these years of trying and wanting to have a baby, four years later, I'm pregnant. And so I had to move back to um, where I'm from because I didn't want my daughter uh, being brought up in daycare. But that meant like a change in my lifestyle. And my husband and I moved to California. We couldn't make, I mean, in Fresno, California, we couldn't find a job to save our lives. We were overqualified. And um, we ended up on like welfare, living in my parents' house. Like I just found myself in a completely different living situation. And um, it was my first, um, it's okay if he makes noise. Everybody knows we have kids. My my oldest is shushing the <laughs> heck out of my birth two-year-old. Um, but yeah, she's like, shh, mom's doing her show. Um, but in any ways, um, I I just discovered what attachment parenting was. I had a mom who was saying, you know, put your baby in the crib. Don't spoil the baby. When are you going to put the baby down? And, uh, lucky for me, I found the Letcher League International and found attachment parenting and realized that there was a name for all the crazy weird things that I wanted to do. And so being poor, (laughs) I mean, we really didn't have two pennies to rub together, uh, I had to work. I went back to work immediately after having my baby. And as much as I wanted to stay at home and carry her in a carrier and have her skin to skin and breastfeed her 24-7, um, that wasn't going to happen. She was going to be with my mom and grandma all day until I came home late at night. And so socioeconomic-wise, uh, I wasn't able to do all the AP things that uh, I found myself really attracted to and enamored of. And what worked mm-hmm. for me and my family was um, getting to sleep with her at night, like I would take my, my shirt off and sleep with her skin to skin and nurse her all night long. Um, oh. I was 
sleeping, of course, you know, waking up and nursing and kind of falling back asleep. And um, that works for our family. When you say mm-hmm. socioeconomic status, what does that mean for our listeners listening in right now? Um, <laughs> Bianca here. Well, I mean, this is something that uh, Natasha and I do a lot of work around because, I mean, we work, A, with families in prenatal and postnatal. Like, so it's not just in the sleep context. It's also in the labor doula context and the postpartum doula context. Um and unfortunately, a lot of the things that the AP, like the belief system is, is a luxury that, you know, two working parents or working class or people on welfare or a single parent, um, they are considered, you know, kind of a luxury. And we recognize that. Yeah. It is working in the parameters. Um, you know, I, I made the leap to start a business so that I could be home and I was a single working parent. And so I, I appreciate, like you were saying, the things that I had to do to like, enjoy that time like co-sleeping or prolonged breastfeeding those were the choices I made to get the hit that I needed because you know I was working in the day um so it is it is a luxury thing and it is something that needs to be considered so um when we are talking about a sleep plan um what is what's reasonable for a family that would be a factor if both parents are working out of the home Mm -hmm. for example Right. Oh, we have a caller. I'm going to interrupt you really quick to make sure that I get to them. Hopefully they want to talk. Let's see if I can. Hi, caller. You're live on the air. Where are you calling from? Hello. (laughs) This happened again. Okay. Shock callers today. Hello. (laughs) I know. Everybody's being so shy. Well, we have people listening, so that's a good thing. Um, I'm sorry. Um, Let's, um, I'm going to wrap it up really quick here. So I want to make sure that um, if I'm a parent listening right now and I want to know more information, where can I go to find out more about um, Brandy Hadfield, Bebomia, all this good stuff? Where can, where would you send them? Natasha here. Um, if they want to learn more about Babomia, they can head over to our website, www.babomia.com. It's B-E-B-O-M-I-A. Dot com. You know, it's a bit of a funny name, but, you know, we named it 12 years ago before we knew what we were doing. So <laughs> that's the name. Um, <laughs> and, um, and then, Brandy Hadfield, do you want to say your, sure. your website? It's www.brandyhadfield. That's B-R-A-N-D-I-E-H-A-D-F-I-E-L-D dot com. And um, if you're interested in the sleep educator certification, that's the Babel Mia website forward slash S-L-E-E-P-C-E-R-T. Yeah, www.babelmia.com slash sleep cert. So if anybody's out there and they're, they're a professional right now and they want to be able to have this information to give to their clients, um, we start this course on November 7th. And it's we're really, really excited. This is... Um, and this is something we wanted for so long to get this information out there, and uh, it's been going really well. And we had in um, our last class, we had this is Brandy, by the way, I keep forgetting to say. <laughs> uh, we had naturopathic okay. doctors, we had massage therapists, doulas, um, and we had moms who wanted to apply the information at home so they could hire a sleep educator, but some people actually wanted to become sleep educators, um, which is fantastic, and we're totally open to that as well. And we had Leslie. <laughs> um, and, 
<laughs> this is Natasha. I just wanted to let you know, Gina, I hope this is okay, but we, we made a little discount code for anybody who calls in and wants to take this sleep educator certification. It's called Gina Friends. G-E-N-A-F-R-I-E-N-D-S, and it saves whoever wants to take the course 20%. Oh, that's huge. Okay, so everyone listening, I'm going to uh, make sure that we put this on um, uh, Progressive Parenting Radio. It's our Facebook page. You can just find us by going under Progressive Parenting Radio. And um, not to be mistaken with the Progressive Parent, who we love very much. I got to meet her in person um, <laughs> in California a couple of years ago, and I totally wigged out. She was like, oh, that's you? And I'm like, oh, is that you? <laughs> we were all excited. Uh, but anyway, uh, Progressive Parenting Radio and um, I will go ahead and put a link to today's show, and I will go ahead and write down Gina Friends and the fact that everybody will get 20% off. When is that deal going to be over? Because I want to make sure people take advantage of it ASAP. Registration for the course itself is over on November 4th, so if you want to get in, that, that would be the time. <laughs> um, but we want to keep that open for you and your callers, so we'll keep it open until November 4th. Oh, um, And we awesome. also have payment plans, Gina, so that it makes it really accessible for both parents and birth workers, um, which we know as a self-employed birth worker, it can be challenging when you want some more of the information about these programs. So the discount code will also work on our one-time, three-month, and six-month payment plans. Okay. Well, I'm going to try one more time and see if the person calling in really wants to talk or not. Hi, caller, you're live on the air. Are you there? Okay. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually really glad we didn't have a lot of callers because I got in a lot more information than we usually get to in a 35, 40-minute period, so it's a good thing. Uh, but make sure that you share this show with your friends. Uh, for the listeners listening in, all of our shows are archived, so if you enjoy today's program, please go ahead and just uh, copy the format and just share it with uh, all of your friends. This is good information, whether um, uh, you know, you're a brand-new parent or a parent for, oh, question, toddlers, toddlers and older kids. Is it... Um, ever too late to get information about sleep? Because I have a lot of friends who have children that are like two or three years old that are having like big issues. No, the, re the really awesome thing about our formula that we use with our sleep educators and that our sleep educators use with families is that you could really apply it to any major life shift. Um, you could even use it in a discipline context. So yeah, there's no age. I've had clients with seven-year-olds, so yeah. Right on. Well, I can't wait to get together with you guys in, in the real life. That would be super awesome. And um, share some of my um, Rebozo secrets for getting kids to sleep, too, the older kids. Ooh, um, but that's all my we, <laughs> we had to get together. <laughs> we can make so that happen. Uh, yes, we're going to make that happen. I, I'll be in Toronto, Calgary, and Montreal this year, so we have to make it happen. <laughs> uh, this, this coming all right, 2017. Oh, and if you want to see me, let's just do a little self-promotion really quick, Gina Kirby. If you want to see me uh, next year in 2017, you'll have 10 chances. I'm doing block yaz all over Canada and the United States, and I'll be doing a Rebozo workshop in Bristol and London in March. So uh, go to GinaKirby.com if you want to know more information about any of that, or just find us at Progressive Parenting Radio on Facebook. I'd like to thank the beautiful women of Bebo Mia for being on our program today and for sharing um, their life work with us. It means a lot. Thank you so much, Brandy. Uh, thank you so much for the work that you're doing with attachment parenting. It's huge. And thank you so much, Bianca and Natasha. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Until next time, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Bye, ladies. 
Bye. Thanks, Gina. Thank you.